With the Heat struggling to lock in playoff seed, has Eric Spolstra's approach with the team been the right one? Some players explain what he's done differently, and the answers might surprise you. Plus, a view of where Miami is in the standings and their potential playoff opponents. And finally, we're down to our last two as we wrap up our Heat culture bracket on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Vermill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day and for hitting that subscribe button. Uh, so a couple quick notes from Monday's practice before we jump into this thing. Uh, Bam Adebayo appears to be a game-time decision for tonight's game in Detroit. He's listed as questionable with that hip contusion that kept him out of Saturday's win against the Dallas Mavericks. And then when asked if Kevin Love will return to the starting lineup when Bam does return, Spo said he has yet to make that decision. So a couple of news notes right off the bat. We're going to talk about which teams the Heat should be most looking forward to playing in the playing tournament, which teams they should be most scared of playing in the playing tournament and then we will have our championship game of the heat culture bracket later on but let's jump in here speaking of eric spolstra uh barry jackson wrote this piece for the miami herald about how spo has gone about leading this team and and part of it had to do with how spo talks about the team in public and as barry points out pat riley used to threaten players with lineup changes during post-game news conferences when they were not playing well that's just not spo's approach at all uh, in fact, Spo has at least publicly been almost overly positive with his messaging about the team, despite this being what's undoubtedly a disappointing season so far. Spo told Barry, quote, to me, a press conference and a coach ranting doesn't necessarily do anything for a win. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. That's not my style for better or worse. We handle our business here. Uh, what I found interesting about this piece, David, is something that we've talked uh, quite a bit about during this heat culture bracket, and that's the difference between Riley and Spo. And I think this piece did a good job of sort of crystallizing what what I think is the biggest difference between the two, and that's how they respond and interact with their players. Uh, so my question to you is, what do you think of this approach? Do you think Spo should be a little bit more like Pat Riley with this team? Because I think there is a faction of Heat fans who think that this team does need a public kick in the butt. It's hard to say for certain without being privy to every conversation that takes place in the locker room, but I think it's a healthy mix of both. And I think that's how a, a lot of life works out that way is that I think individual conversations are the key to that kind of establishing levels of communication where a player feels comfortable and the coach can get their message across without dressing them down in a public forum and embarrassing them or pissing them off. Having said that, I also think there's a time when you're in the locker room where you better throw that damn clipboard, where you better put your hand through the whiteboard, where you better do whatever is necessary to get your players to understand what's at stake in the moment because you're in the moment, and that's where the emotions are most necessary. It's not the time for stick to your plan. Everything's going to be fine. It's get out there. You've got 24 minutes, another half, to make your imprint in the game, and that's when I think that fire needs to come out. And I don't know that it doesn't or it does. I don't think even well, in this from what, piece it mentioned specifically. In this piece, it does a little bit from, uh, I think, and just from what my understanding is of this team. Like, we, we, I mean, we saw Eric Spolstra throw a clipboard when Omer Yurtsevin made all those mistakes a few games ago, right? Like, we see that fire come right. out in Spo. And, and, and you hear the quotes that the players, like Udonis Haslam saying that he wears his emotions on his sleeve and all these things. 
I think that everybody understands that it's been a frustrating year. And I think Eric Spolstra has been frustrated. And some of the players say that, like, he's frustrated. We're frustrated. All of us are frustrated. I guess the difference is you see all you see coaches in any sport, any league, whatever, use the media uh, to try to further their own agendas and try to kind of double mm. down on their messaging quite a bit. And and we haven't really we don't really see that from Spo, especially this year. And you would think maybe at problematically times, at times. Yeah, it's not even problematic at times. Why, why problematically? Because Curious. there are times when he should be a little bit more open about these concerns. Like we've gone through it. it the, the level of spoisms or, or double speak or whatever euphemism you want to use to describe it. It's just like, we've got the answers in the locker room. Okay. Well, what are those answers? Like sometimes I would rather him say, God damn, we suck. Or, you know, we don't have that talent. And I know it's kind of contradicts exactly what I was saying, but you almost want those answers to be a little bit more revelatory and the, and their honesty, especially when you're caught up in emotion. Look, I, I've seen him come in. You've seen him come in. He sits down at that podium. He's been yelling. He's pissed off. He's yes. frustrated. It's, and, and he'll try to squash those emotions down and get through the next three minutes as he talks about what the problems were on, in tonight's game. But, you know, sometimes you just want him, at least from a reporter's perspective, you want him to be a little bit more honest and open about and it. And I think there is a, saying, like I said, I think there's a segment of Heat fans who feel the same way. That's like, yeah. hey, like, are you okay with this? Because, I, you know, fans, they only, their only exposure to Eric Spolster is seeing him on the sideline during games, during broadcasts, uh, yeah. pacing up and down and kind of doing Eric Spolstra things where he does look a little crazy sometimes. And, <laughs> and then yeah. during the press conferences and the press conferences by and large this year, to your point has been, We've got the answers in that locker room. Recently, I, I remember telling you, like going to the uh, practice the other day, Spo consistently asked about, I think it was what the, the rebounding issues, and he just says, we'll fix it. We'll fix we it. Fix we'll it. fix it. How? And then when how? asked how, he says, I don't know, but we'll fix <laughs> it. And it's kind of devolved into that, where it's just, it, it's not saying that we have a problem necessarily. It, it, it's, 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 recon- it's not. It's not to run away from the problem or to mask a problem or to lie and say there is no problem. He's recognizing that there's a problem, but he's all he's all he's giving to reporters and in turn, fans who consume right our content is we'll fix it. And and, and again, I just I, I that's why I asked the question. I, are there Heat fans well, that wish there was a little bit more Pat Riley yes. to his public game? Because Pat Riley sure. has been nothing but his whole shtick was performative like armani suits and i'm i'm in charge and well think you know, about alonzo morning think about alonzo morning and his story he loves telling about pat dunking his head in a tub of ice water and holding his breath for like 18 minutes until but that was in the locker died. room yeah i put my I'd, I'd run through a brick wall for coach riley like that's the thing that identified the heat culture when it was first developing yeah. here when pat riley joined the organization in 1985 and that's what a lot of Longtime fans kind of gravitate towards it. And Spo in this piece, it's it's outlined like he's not dunking his head in ice buckets, but he's leaving thoughtful notes at their lockers. He's showing them motivational films <laughs> and giving them book yeah. recommendations. It's very, very, very different than Pat Riley. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. I think everybody who knows me and where I stand on, I, they probably know where I stand on this, but that's not really yeah. the point. I think the point is, like, I, I, I think – this is, I think there's a lot of Heat fans that well, wish he was this? more like Pat Riley. I don't how know that that this? would help. Yeah, that's what I, that's what the next question is. Like, how do you think this current team, not LeBron's team, not Dwayne's team or anything like that. How does this current team with Jimmy as the de facto, and I think obvious leader of the, the, uh, the emotional barometer of that locker room. How do you think he responds to Eric Spolster? Does he want confrontation? 
Because that's what he wants on the court. That's what he wants with his teammates. Or does he want somebody who's level-headed and be like, I've been there before. I can trust that he's going to be able to guide us through the process. Because mm. I think it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes Jimmy loves to, you know, to have somebody up in his face and be able to tell him and challenge him like he did last year. I think there was a level of respect that he gained additionally for Eric Spolster because he responded to him in kind last season when they had that uh, sideline confrontation. On top of that, he's also spoken glowingly about Eric Spolster just because he's able to retain his calm demeanor in these kinds of situations. Like you look over at Spo and he's unfazed. Why? Because he's been there. He's been to the NBA finals. He's been in these situations. He knows that you can always find a way to overcome adversity. So I, 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 it's hard to say for certain. I'd say again, as lukewarm an answer as that is, you need a little bit of a balance. You need to be able to get pissed off and at the same time, be able to stay calm. And I I, think that's, that's, you need to be, upset you need to be visibly frustrated you need your players to know that yeah you care exactly and i don't think that eric spolster i don't think that's an i don't think that's an issue again talking to players all i know that that's not an issue they know he cares they know he cares probably more deeply than most coaches that they've ever played for right eric spolster you could be critical and say he probably cares too much about this stuff but he does it 24 7 he very much does right and and so um i think what this team needs if I'm not a leadership expert, but if I were to venture a guess, is the problem with this team has been the lack of consistency. And I think if you're a head coach, what you could bring to this team, if it is consistency, is a value add. If you want to just like how many times have there been frustrating losses? I mean, we did a countdown the other day. It was like 12 or 13 times. What you weren't supposed to break in clipboards after every single one of them? Maybe you do if you're a Heat fan, but I I don't think that's what this team needs. I think what this team needs is consistency. And if Spo can be consistent, he's at least trying to provide that to a team that otherwise doesn't have it. And so I would say, I I think, yeah, you want your team to care, but you're also trying to steady the ship a little bit. I don't know that it's going to work. At the end of the day, I don't care how many times you yell at this team. It's still the same players. Right, like you're not going to yell those those balls to go into into the uh, you can't basket. yell Gabe Vincent into being a first round pick. Like that. right, there's, there's yeah, a limitation of what he can do on. A and play. and one of the quotes was, and I can't remember. I wish I remember who said it, but said you know I, I think it was Tyler actually said at the end of the day the players got to yeah I'm pretty sure it was Tyler. The players got to make things happen. The coach can only do so much. The players play and they got to do it, and that and that's exactly right. Uh, we might already know the Heat's first round opponent. Uh, we'll tell you who it is and if the Heat have a chance to beat them next. But first, David, tell listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime.com. Look, if you've ever been in a situation where you need tickets at the last second, let's say you have changed your plans, or maybe you didn't know that there was a particular concert or sporting event taking place, then GameTime has your problem solved. If you live in South Florida, as Wes and I do, there's a million events taking place all the time. It's hard to keep track of all of them. You never know what the heck's going on. Marlins season's just ramping up. Let's say you've got your plans fell through and you want to go catch a Marlins game, or even if you had no plans to begin with, then let me tell you, game time is a solution for two. Forget planning months in advance as I have in the past. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. I was just talking to another co-host about it. He said that you get a view of your seat. So when you pick your seat, you know exactly where you're sitting. You know exactly what you're going to see from whatever sporting event or comedy event or, or again, concert that you might be going to. No wondering whether or not you're going to be behind a bleacher or whether or not you're going to have an obstructed view. With game time, you can see exactly where you're going to sit and you can get your tickets at the best available price. So download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA 
for $20 off your first purchase. That makes things so much better. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem your code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Locked on Heat is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please do subscribe. Another co-host, you said. Should I be upset? No, my co-host for Locked on NBA. Oh, okay. All right. You know That's very better. well. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, he was just telling me about that. <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't had the occasion to use Game Time because I've been the dork that gets tickets months in advance. and then I've actually used see- Game Time. It's really cool. I'm like, This is not even part of the read anymore, but I, I when I used to live in San Francisco and the Giants, they they were like a – it's like a four-minute Uber away from me, and so I used to just like third inning. I don't care about baseball. I certainly don't care about the San Francisco Giants, so if I had nothing to do, like third inning, I'd just go on there, $7 for tickets. So I can only imagine what they cost for Marlins games. It's probably like free at this point. But uh, They might pay you. <laughs> they might, please. Uh, as it stands right now, the Heat are firmly in seventh place, two games back of the Nets uh, for the number six seed, two games ahead of the Hawks and the Raptors for the top spot in the play-in tournament. They have tiebreakers against the Hawks. The Raptors have the tiebreaker over the Heat. Uh, but the Heat have a fairly easy remaining four games. So for all intents and purposes, I think it's fair to assume that the Heat are going to end up in the in, with the seventh seed, right? What we don't know is who they're going to face in the playing tournament because the seventh seed, for those that don't know, and I don't know that we've really explained this recently, David, uh, the seventh seed plays the number eight seed. I know that there's some confusion there. Some people think the seventh seed plays the 10th seed as like every other tournament. I think we were hoping they did void. They would avoid the playing tournament altogether. So, just so maybe that's why it never came up. <laughs> Yeah, the seven seed plays the seven seed plays the eight seed. Okay, so it's a seven eight game. The winner of that game moves on as the seventh seed. Done. You win one game, you're in. The loser of that game plays the winner of the nine ten game to determine who's going to be the eighth seed. So even if you lose the seven eight game, you have one more chance. You play the winner of the nine ten game, and then the winner of that game becomes the eighth seed. All right. So the value in being the seventh seed or the eighth seed, for that matter, is that it's one win one and you're in. Right. The value of the seventh seed is obviously that game is going to be played at home. And in this instance, it looks like Miami will be playing that game at home. So uh, who's who are the Heat going to play? If they're the seventh seed, who's going to be the eighth seed? The Hawks and the Raptors have the same record as uh, have the same record as each other. Chicago's just one game behind them, and they've been playing pretty well lately. Uh, so who gets that eighth seed is really still up in the air. And I think we talk a lot in playoff races about who's going to be in, who's going to be in the play-in in general, like when it comes to 9-10, who's going to get the one seed. You know, we, Generally, is that something we talk about a lot? Who's getting home court in the first round? But I think of all these games, like, or of all the seeding kind of battles, the difference between the eighth seed and the ninth seed is huge because of everything we just talked about. Win one and you're in versus having to win two, right? And so the Hawks, the Raptors, and the Bulls, very, very motivated to try to get that eighth seed and avoid being one of the teams in that 9-10 spot. So um, something to keep an eye on if you're a Heat fan, certainly. Keeping an eye on the Hawks, the Raptors, and the Bulls going forward. But let's just power rank this really quick, David. Of those three... Hmm. Who are you the most scared to play in that hmm. seven eight game? Who are you least scared to play? Uh, most scared would be the Chicago Bulls. I just wow. think, yeah, I think uh, the combination of rebounding, the Pat Bever effect, you know, whatever that might entail, and the mid range sorcery of Demar Derozan is uh, too much for Miami to overcome. It's been a problem during the regular season, and I think they're just. Their style of play is problematic for Miami, especially if it's a night where Miami just doesn't have it dialed in offensively, as that has been the case for most of the season. I think the pace of the Toronto Raptors, the size in general, is also problematic, so they would be my second least preferred opponent with the Atlanta Hawks, despite the fact that they play somewhat quickly. 
I think they're just more erratic by nature. And Miami seems to have figured out. I know we talked about this earlier in the season when there was a back-to-back set against the Hawks. They seem to have the Trey Young situation figured out to a certain degree. I'd be more concerned about you know guys like DeAndre Hunter, who's been a little inconsistent this year, or uh, Bojan Bogdanovich having a big game. There's a potential for other players to step up. Trey Young, not as much of a concern um, as, say, DeMar DeRozan. So ironically enough, I, I still think most players, most people in general, would view Young as the better player, but DeRozan strikes me as being more difficult for Miami to contain in a one-off situation. I'm going to reverse my rankings. I'm going to go from uh, least scared to most scared, but I think I generally agree with you. My least scared okay. team is I, – I am not I am not afraid of the Atlanta Hawks. I read a report recently, David – Fulton County, the county that Atlanta resides in, the, yes. since the pandemic, the greatest percentage increase in population, most people moving to Fulton County, most people buying property, getting land in Fulton County. I bring this up because I'm pretty sure the Miami Heat have space. They, they, are, they, they, they own real estate in the minds of the Atlanta Hawks, and I think wow. they have a, quite a bit of real estate in Fulton it was, County. It was a stretch there, but I get it. It was a nice try. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like we talk all the time about the Heat owning the Sixers, or maybe the Heat uh, mm. being able to sort of uh, get the Celtics to wobble. But if yeah. they own any team, it's the Atlanta Hawks, and, and specifically Trey Young. I don't know. Trey Young, he's, he's he's one of his worst averages against any other team is against the Miami Heat, and they always seem to have an answer for Trey Young. And and honestly, I'm not that impressed with the Hawks in general. Like Quinn Snyder came in, it's I don't blame him. He just he has it was weird coming in midseason, zero time to implement anything, and. It kind of worked. There was like a honeymoon period, and now Trey Young is just doing Trey Young things again. And there's nights where he just <laughs> is completely off, also where he yeah. just sort of it kind of rage quits and, and just doesn't play anymore. And takes his ball and goes home. So I don't know. I'm not scared of the Hawks. Um, they've got quite a bit of uh, questions to deal with this offseason. So not scared of them. Um, obviously hoping for them to get to that number eight seed, but I don't think they're going to get it. I think the Raptors are better. I think the Bulls are better. I think they're both going to finish with better records than Atlanta. Um, I'm with you. The Heat are 0-3 against Chicago this year. They haven't beat them. And I don't know why I should... Maybe there's like, okay, they're due. And maybe they maybe the bill comes due in the in the play-in and they're able to beat them. I don't know. But you you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. He's unstoppable, man. Like that mid-range shot, say what you will. Put Jimmy Butler on him, whatever you want to say. It's still DeMar DeRozan. He's been doing it for a decade and a half. Doing the same thing. 18-footers uh, after 18-footers. Uh, death by paper cuts, mid-range paper cuts. So there's that. There's the Nikola Vucevic factor. He always seems to have a big yeah. game against the Atlanta – or against the Miami Heat. Um, and and they're start – and, you know, Patrick Williams is starting to play a little bit better than Kobe White is starting to show some confidence there. Like, they're – I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to say deep, but when you're comparing them to these other teams, maybe deeper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the Toronto Raptors. I like the Yaka Pirtle thing for them, but it didn't – and he gave him some. Pro- he gave Bam some problems the other night when they played. I don't know. I think I might be equally scared of the Toronto Raptors and the Chicago Bulls if I'm the Miami Heat. I, I don't know which one I would rather play. I would probably say at this point, the Raptors because there's some weird Nick Nurse stuff happening. Like apparently, like the Houston Rockets are ready to come after him. There's some. Mm. There's some rumors about it. he. Maybe this is the last year. I don't know. Just in and you could just we could just go vibe check on this. Bulls best vibes, Raptors second best vibes, Hawks the worst vibes. Give me the team with the worst vibes, and I feel like the Heat would have a better chance. You know, I had to double check as we were recording this. Miami actually has held Trey Young to the second lowest uh, career average in points per game uh, than any other team in the NBA, but that's only second to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Yeah, 10 matchups there. He's got a 20.2 points per game average. 
Miami's held them to 21.4 and 17. Career right. Playing in like four points. times as many games, right. Than than probably what he's played against Dallas. So yeah. Yeah. They own it. They own Fulton County, but, and, and specifically Trey <laughs> Young's residence there. Uh, I, I Jimmy Butler goes and kicks up his feet on the coffee table. He smudges the rug. Like he just, he tracks dirt all over the place. He doesn't care. He owns that place. <laughs> he does. Uh, worth mentioning the Celtics are two games back of the bucks who are the number one seed. They're three games ahead of the 76ers, who are the number three seed. So it looks like the Celtics are pretty locked into that second seed. And the second seed would play the seventh seed. The Bucks would play the Beautiful. eighth seed. So Beautiful. in terms of if it's if it's Milwaukee or Boston, I don't think there's any. I think both of them are the, the clear favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference. And I would not pick the Heat as favorites. And I probably wouldn't pick the Heat, period, in a series against either of those teams. But if you're giving me the option of playing the Celtics or the Bucks, I'd say... I guess give me the Celtics because at least there's a track record of success, especially more recent. I know they lost the series last year, but like I said, they haven't, they have a way of making the Celtics wobble. And if you listen to, you know, Bill Simmons on any of his pie, he's still terrified of the Miami heat. And I think that counts for something is which fan base is most terrified of you. And it's the Boston Celtics. I will play nice with John Corrales when we do our season or or we are series preview. I will not. Uh, I will not. Remember John said last year, that Jimmy oh. Butler would be the third best player in that series, and I will never forget. And it's him. not even particularly close, if I recall correctly. Yep. He used that. I was I'll like, never oh, forget well, him. it's. And it's I am, actually, yeah, I've actually, it's actually pretty obvious he might be the first, but the, the, the I've considered best banning John Corrales' name from this podcast. <laughs> you tried your best. It just hasn't worked out. You no. know, it's all about synergy here at the Locked On <laughs> Podcast Network. Um, yeah, no, I, the Celtics is the preferred matchup, yes. if you can believe it. I think it would be more interesting from a drama perspective, and maybe oh, Miami yeah. has a more legitimate chance, too. So maybe. we'll see how it goes. Coming up next, we crown a champion in the Heat Culture Bracket. Spo or Udonis Haslam? The debate is next. But first, David, tell the listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, there's, you know, people need help. And there's no shame in admitting that. Uh, if you need somebody to talk to, if you're going through something, or even if you're not, you know, there's this idea that maybe you have to get into a crisis level before you go out of your way to seek help. But that's not what therapy is for. Therapy is there for anybody who might need help at any point in time just to get a voice to talk to, some feedback on something that you might be dealing with. And I think that's the idea behind BetterHelp. Uh, There's so much that you can do. You can find somebody that helps you at a convenient time, at a convenient price. Uh, It's flexible. It's all online. You go in there, you answer a simple questionnaire, and they match you with a therapist that is suited to help you and whatever you might need at the time. And that's what makes BetterHelp such a convenient option. Uh, A friend of mine has used it, never thought about going to therapy before. And then you just said, you know what? It might be time for me to try and talk to somebody. And he did. And I recommended BetterHelp because of this show. And he loves it. He loves the idea of having that kind of flexibility. He's sought out a different therapist. The first one he tried didn't work out exactly the way he wanted to because of the time issue. Found somebody else right away. So convenient. And that's what BetterHelp will do for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, like I said. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Reach LockedOnHeat on Twitter, Instagram. You can email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Quick note before we launch into the final round of the Heat Culture Bracket. uh, Injury report for tonight's game. Just came out. Pistons are going to be without Marvin Bagley, no Bojan Bagdanovic, no Alec Burks, no Rodney Magruder, no Hamidou Diallo, and no 
Big mm. Stew, no Isaiah Stewart for the Pistons. Uh, someone's tanking. In other news, <laughs> we're going to be suiting up for the Detroit Pistons. It's a strange <laughs> crossover event here. We're going to be taking on the. the do we get Do we get Miami. blame pie if we're able to beat the Miami Heat? Then. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think the point stands, however, that Detroit seems like they yeah. might be actively ready for Kanker. Let's update the Heat Culture bracket in which the person who represents Heat Culture the most moves on. And today we have our final round. It's up doozy. Number two seed, Udonis Haslam versus number four seed, Eric Spolstra. The culture ship, David, the culture ship. So wow, you gotta run these by me. I didn't, I didn't get any feedback on the culture. I made it up uh, three minutes before we start. I didn't. Okay, it's uh, okay. it's just gonna Nothing have to, to make through there. Um, yeah, the, the give me the argument uh, on behalf of Udonis Haslam. Yeah, we we talked about this before, and uh, I'm going to choose to back UD in this argument. Um, look, we just talked about Eric Spolstra, and there's only so much you can do as a coach in terms of defining your culture. I love the flexibility that Spo brings and I love what he's been able to accomplish, whether it's guiding a young Dwayne Wade, working his way up from a video coordinator position, becoming one of the 15 best coaches of all time. But ultimately what defines this team more than anything else. And that's been the consistent theme throughout this whole, this whole heat culture bracket that we talked about. A guy like Shaquille O'Neal coming in is helping establish a culture, a laws of morning, Keith Askins, it always boils down to a player. Uh, a front office executive or a coach can set a template, but unless there's a player there to help implement that vision, it's all for naught. And so when you get Udonis Haslam, undrafted player, lives, breathes South Florida. He is the mayor of Miami. He knows people in the streets. He tells you when you join his team, you want something, don't go out there and get in trouble. I'll help you find out whatever that might be. And that speaks so much because he is – the presence in the locker room that has helped define that locker room for 20 seasons, whether he was a young rookie fighting with Lamar Odom or Brian Grant, or whoever it was out on that team, just trying to establish himself for positioning, whether you're a veteran like LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, whomever it might be, Udonis has battled them all for 20 seasons. His presence, as I said before in our last podcast, is going to be missed. Nobody will ever be more Miami Heat than Udonis had. It's a great argument. Uh, he's got his own section. It's section 305 now. Great for him. Uh, it's his final year. And uh, that's uh, that's meaningful that he was able to create such an impact in 20 years. I talked to Eric Spolster the other day. Um, and he said like Eric, that Udonis Haslam has had seven or eight different roles with the Miami Heat. And he's impacting winning in every single one of them. And that's and you know what? It's, it's a little bit of coach speak, but also I believe it. I, and, you know, people have been doubting Haslam's place on this roster for half a decade now. And you know, once you're in that locker room, you kind of cover a team a little bit and you understand what he means to the guys in that locker room. You say, OK, that's sure. not a wasted spot. That's that's actually probably doing more than the normal 15th player on a roster would do is something that Udonis Haslam does. That said, I think it has to be Eric Spolster. I just think it has to be when we talk about who reflects heat culture the most right now. And, and I don't know that anybody on this team in this organization has a greater impact on the day to day of what heat culture really means than Eric Spolster. By definition, he's the head coach. Heat culture is just kind of whatever he decides it is in, in any given day. And I know that's kind of a default answer. You can't, and if you're just, okay, well, the head coach is just going to win this thing uh, just because of the definition of his job. I know that's not fair, but when he's in there and evolving the culture 
every single day and doing all the things that we talked about in the first segment, David, and we're talking about the difference between him and Pat Riley and how he's evolved the culture to, 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 to adapt to the, the modern NBA player, right? And one of Spo's favorite Spoisms is adapt or die. Well, that's what he did with Heat Culture. If not for Her- if not for Eric Spolstra, Heat Culture would have died on the vine. That's what would have happened because it wasn't ready for today's player. And Spo made it okay. And it made it work for today's player. All the conditioning stuff is still there, right? The Miami Heat still considered the hardest uh, playing, best conditioned team in the NBA. That's still there. That is sort of like the bedrock of Heat Culture. And that has not left. But on top of that is all the modern analytics, the relating to players, giving them books instead of dunking your head into ice buckets, like all these things. This is what e-culture is now. And so I, my vote goes to Eric Spolstra. Your vote goes to Udonis Haslam. So we put it to Twitter and Twitter, our fans are deciding 64% of the vote. Udonis Haslam, Udonis Haslam, congratulations. You are the winner of the Miami heat culture bracket. It's well-deserved Udonis Haslam. Let's go. 40th, nice. 20th season. Um, I'm happy to give it to him. I'm happy. I can't wait to show. get him on the show. Yeah, I can't wait to get him back on the show, I guess I should say, <laughs> after today, just to have him talk about this. I'm sure the three rings, the millions of dollars, the accolades, the rebounding title and for the franchise, setting all these records, none of that means as much as defining heat culture for 20 seasons and being voted as such by us. That'll do it for us today. Thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Hit that like button right now. Now, make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked on NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. David, thanks for joining me. You got it, Chris.